Hello, I'm James Woodcock from pixelrefresh.com for the Game and Gadget podcast. And I have with me my co-host, Tony Warner, one of the co-founders of Revolution Software, who's recently been on a panel of esteemed colleagues and people from other developers and publishers. And from what I hear, it went very well, Tony. So welcome back to the Game and Gadget podcast. Thank you very much. So um, you're going to be on another panel soon yep well anyone who remembers the 8-bit days will, will, will recall how there was like two distinct pil- pillars and you were one or the other and one was commodore and uh, one was spectrum and if you were a commodore fan you, you read zap 64 magazine from uh, uh newsfield publications and and if you were on the other side the specky side you were you read crash magazine from the same people and uh, it was kind of the same mag but two halves you know i read both because i because i because i thought both magazines were good uh, i was more on the spectrum side but i read both magazines um so yeah they invited me to the zap the, they have a zap show and uh, which was august seems like seems a long time ago now it wasn't really six weeks ago uh, and they have another one in november for the crash side of things um, which i'm also going to be at along with charles um so I, the Zap one, I was like, why are you inviting me? I didn't do anything for the Commodore 64. But they, they kind of merged it. They kind of expanded it a bit to, to include the Amiga. And, of course, they did write a couple of Amiga games. So I was I was valid for that, um, which was good. Uh, the next one, uh, of course, I did write some specy games. Um, so uh, as did Charles Cecil. Um, so they're going to they're gonna put the two of us together and... Do another panel thing. So me and Charles, that'd be that'd be good fun. Fantastic. Well, I will quite certainly a, be there. That's quite a turn up, really, isn't it? Me and Charles on a panel. I know. And uh, I would have gone to the last one, but I'm full enough. I just happened to be on holiday in Wales for that weekend, so I missed it because I was on holiday. These darn holidays get in the way. But anyway, so I'll be looking forward to seeing you at the next one. And of course, Charles Cecil. Yeah. Oh, of Revolution well. Software, so there should be some good stories there. And uh, do you ever fear the questions that are thrown your way? How, how, what was the uh, sort of question that came your way to the previous one in August? Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember anything about it. Uh, you know what these things are like. I just, I just instantly, um, instantly forget forget anything about it. Um, it's not because of any evening festivities, then. <laughs> no, I went home. I wasn't staying. Uh, I think I'm staying for this this one. So that might be. Uh, it might be a good evening, but um, uh, what did they ask me? I don't know. Some 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 stuff about revolution. Um, can't remember. <laughs> well, it makes sense to ask you about revolution software, or of course to buy Tony's book, which is still available. So I certainly recommend that to anyone who's interested in the history of revolution software, and of course Tony himself. But it's also funny, you've created a very nice transition for me, Tony, that you should mention that there were these two, Commodore and Mm. the ZX Spectrum. But there was kind of a third one, which was a little bit late to the party, and it was the Acorn Electron. Oh, very nice, yeah. So that same weekend while you were doing your panel, I was in Wales, and my wife made the mistake of saying why don't you look on Facebook Marketplace and see what's in the area? And I hadn't even thought about that. So I thought, okay, I'll have a little look. And I was just generally looking for anything. It wasn't specific. It was just electronics. 
And there was literally this acorn electron with no price. And mm. I thought he was open to offers. So I ridiculously said, 20 pound, thinking he was going to just refuse me instantly or ignore it. He accepted. <laughs> so very quickly, at the speed of lightning, I traveled to this gentleman's house. Very pleasant gentleman. And he came to the front door with this acorn electron in his hands, cradled, I would say. And he, he kind of muttered fairly quietly, uh, I don't really want to let this go, you know. <laughs> so I don't know if he was encouraged or coerced or what, or he just had to make space. But um, I said, well, words to this effect, don't worry, I, I am going to look after this. I'm not going to sell it. I want to restore it. Mm. And certainly once I did pry it out of his hands, it was extremely filthy. There was like this layer of black all over it. All right. And if you visited pixelrefresh.com, I did an article on this with a load of photos. But it was just like this layer of black all over the keys and the top and the sides. So maybe it was stored in a garage or something like that, but not in a box or anything. Mm. Um, so I passed over my 20 pounds and uh, thanked him and ran as fast as I could <laughs> before he changed his mind. But it's a beautiful machine, and now I've cleaned it up, which involved opening it up, taking all the key caps off, cleaning each individual key cap. It's come up beautiful. And it even included the accessory, which you plug in the back, because there's no joystick ports on this thing. So you literally have to use the expansion port on the back to even add a joystick port. So I think yeah. a lot of the games just use the keyboard. That's why it was cheap. Well, this this cheap and this cheap, but anyway, there was this accessory and it provided just a joystick port, and apparently they're fairly rare as well, and is actually worth a little bit of money. But the Acorn Electron story is they wanted to compete with the ZX Spectrum directly, and of course, previous to that, Acorn was the BBC Micro. It was in tons and tons of schools in the UK, in yeah. some homes, but in terms of the home market, if you wanted a gaming machine for the cheap, it was probably the ZX Spectrum. And a little higher up, you'd go for the Commodore 64. So they wanted something to compete. And the Acorn Electron was it. Originally destined for around 120, 150 pounds, which was around the ZX Spectrum ballpark, depending on which memory configuration you got. But it was a year late. And it ended up yeah. releasing for £199 instead, which mm. kind of scuppered its chances a little bit. But it did sell fairly well, but not certainly not in the leagues of its competitors. Fairly well, I think. I mean, there, there was a lot of machines that never quite made it, and there were, there were two late. I mean, you know, there was the, the Dragon 32, and there was things like that i had the, the links which was even which fared even much even worse the, the enterprise my the, my dream machine that that came too late um i mean the only the only real third machine in truth was um the the amstrad cpc i mean it it, it put on a strong performance for for a bit but then it, you know all, all of these all of these machines eventually hit the 16-bit buffer and that did that did for them all in the end but um yeah, I mean, I remember the Electron because my friend had one. But uh, I mean, we 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 all played BBC Micro at lunchtime at school, so it, I mean, it was the same thing. 
Um, it was just cut down a, bit, a little bit here and there and, and repackaged. But but yeah, I mean they, they, they were they were they were a serious machine. You could do a lot with them, you know. Um, they were good. I mean, I, I I never knew anybody who had a BBC Micro at home. Um, someone told me how many they made. It was it's quite a lot. It's like like millions of them, you know. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know where they all went, but uh, a friend of mine who worked at Aconsoft claimed there was millions of BBC Micros made. I don't know how many how many electrons. Have you looked it up? Uh, let's have a quick look. So, Acon Electrons estimated around two hundred thousand to two hundred fifty thousand machines sold, but that doesn't okay. mean how many actually made and produced. Because I think a lot sat in a warehouse for a long time. Probably about that. So, yeah, not many, not many then. What about BBC Micro? Does it say? I'm sure I've got this figure fifteen million in my head, but that can't be fifteen million, can there? Well, let's have a little look. See, see the so, three. Three million or fifteen million BBC micros. So the BBC micro in total sold one point five million. Okay, which wasn't bad. Not at all. Not at all. And the, I mean, computers back then. I think we forget. We look at computers now as the comparison, which is completely wrong. Everyone pretty much has a computer of some sort in their home. Be almost unimaginable. Granted, we've got mobile phones now and tablets, which kind of negates it a little bit. But still, a lot of people have computers in the home. But back then, it was still a very much a hobbyist thing. And the whole point of the drive with the BBC Micro was to make the UK a computing force and to teach youngsters all about computers. And that would filter through to the adults as well. But uh, the 8-bit was an exciting time. Uh, I certainly remember the BBC Micro at school and the giant... Was it five point two five inch floppy disks when they actually were floppy? Yeah, the five and a quarters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, in my day, they had them at school, but they didn't know they didn't know anything about them. So we and we we found one famously. We found one in the cupboard. It was a stationary cupboard um, in the tech tech design department, and we we just used to go in there and play on it and on lunchtime in a dark. It was literally pitch black, dark, a darkened room. The only light was the green of the of the monitor and <laughs> this BBC micro. We'd eat our our crappy sandwiches we'd brought from home and play on this BBC micro. Yeah, that was the only that was the only productive thing about school really, playing on that computer. Mm. Well but yeah, B- BBC Micro, great machine. I yeah, mean, definitely. Uh, it's of course it spawned the game Elite, which is one of the best games ever written. It did indeed. It did indeed. I mean, the BBC Micro is probably partly responsible for my interest in computers and retro now. I mean, I don't own one. It's such a big thing to store. I mean, I've got an Amiga A500 behind me, and that's quite a big thing. I've only just started collecting retro computers because originally I started with consoles because I thought, well, they're fairly compact things. They're easier just to pull out and put away and put on display. I blame Reese from Control Alt Reese in a nice way, of course, because he came on the last podcast and was talking about Atari STs, and I thought I ain't got any retro computers, not really. I've got a Windows ninety eight machine, but you know, truly retro, yeah. I had none. And then I came across the Electron for twenty quid, thank you very much, and then the Atari ST for a little bit more than that, thank you very much. The Amiga for quite a bit more than that, thank you very much. And then I've also got an Acorn Archimedes A3010, which is something I own back 
originally in 1994 and sadly got rid of. And they're going for stupid prices, but I found this, again, a very nice gentleman who understood I was going to keep it and not give it away at any point. It was to have as part of my collection and to use and enjoy. And he gave me a, a good price blessing. And we've become quite friendly in chatting and uh, sharing ideas. And he's kind of building up his collection. But uh, like me, retro computers are quite a big thing to store. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got quite a lot, but they're all, I mean, they were they were all sat in a loft in York. And I've moved some of them recently to um, the, the lockup unit we have, storage unit we have, the, the books we're in. So the but as the books come out, the retro computers go in into the space. Um, so I, I can't get my hands on them, but um, I do. I do. I've had a good look at them all recently. Um, there is a BBC Micro in there. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, there's a BBC Micro, which should work, I think. Um, I don't have an Electron. I have a, I have an eBay search set up for an Electron, but I'm I want one in a box. The boxes, Ooh. box ones are harder to get. Don't see many of those. I don't think I've ever seen one on my eBay searches, but or at least one that was priced sensibly. So yeah, I mean the, the problem is there's, there's hundreds of these things. I got uh, what else have I got? I got a boxed Enterprise. That's a nice thing to have. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have an Oric Atmos. I'd like an Oric One in in a box. Dragon Thirty Two in a box. I haven't got one of those. There's, there's loads. MSX. If you look at MSX, there's there's, there's literally dozens of those anyway. Uh, so if you want to, if you start collecting MSXs, then that's how like a whole it's a whole another dimension starts opening up. You know. Let me just cover my ears. Let me just cover my ears. I've already bought three, well, four computers recently. No, five. <laughs> yeah. So uh, no. Sam Coupe. I'd like one of those. That was a nice little machine. Sam Coupe. I haven't heard of that you one. Don't, you don't see many of them. Uh, I mean, Jupiter Ace was the one, blimey, I wish I'd bought a Jupiter Ace when they were cheap because they're like 1,500 quid now. 1,500 quid. But that's it because there, there was when they come out and then they're selling them off cheap as the sort of the next generation technology comes along and then gradually, gradually the price goes up. They were absolutely worthless, these things, and, and now they're going... They're, I mean, they've gone up a lot in the last few years, much harder to buy. But it's not, they're not going to go down, you know. No, not really. Well, you wouldn't have thought so, unless there's like an apocalypse or something. There's this weird thing on YouTube where... It seems to be American videos in particular where they're going from retro shop to shop, and they're going, oh, look, we found this... $1,500 rare game. Buy, 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 sell, sell. I'm thinking it's kind of taking the fun out of retro because that's the the commercial side of retro. Now, I'm a collector, but I'm I'm co- literally collecting to build a collection. I'm not one of those who needs every game for every platform that's been released. I'm not looking for that gold mint cover or whatever the heck it is. But when you watch these YouTube channels, you can imagine it's spurring a certain set of people to get excited about the value of something rather than the thing itself. I'm far more interested in the thing itself than the value of the thing. If it's worth a lot, then great, that's a a bonus, but it's not going to benefit me because I'm not going to sell it. I like a bargain, (laughs) but that's different. Bargains are good, but uh, it's what it is that really counts. Exactly that. 
and this acorn electron actually works, which blew me away even more. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And Ironically, the-, the cable for it nearly cost as much as the thing itself. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing, the cables. I've got all these computers and I don't have cables for most of them because mm-hmm. um, they've just got lost in a big ball of cables. Um, yeah, the cables are a problem. And then you need a, you know, you've got to decide how you're going to display the screen because most of them just got TV output on them. Yeah. So you've, got, you've got that problem as well. Um, yeah. Amazingly, but- the Electron has RGB out. Is it really? Yeah, um, so if you've got the right cable, which I do have now, it supports RGB. Which is that's, awesome. That's useful, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm surprised, actually. Mm, that's so good. what's your favourite 8-bit computer? If you had to uh, choose one. Well, the Dream Machine was the Enterprise. So the tell me about machine. the Enterprise. How the, did that uh, come about for your story? Well, I mean, I never had one but uh, in the day, but it, it was it was talked about for a long time, and it was it was... It just looked better than anything else. It looked really cool, um, and uh, its it, it spec was it was specced pretty high. It had lots of graphic modes and lots of memory, and it was kind of you know if you if you're a bunch of kids going what's what's our dream computer and, and, and what's our fancy eight bit computer and you come up with a spec and what it, and you might draw a picture of it. I mean the Enterprise was it. It just looked so good and the specs were great. I mean we were really excited about them, and then. You know the, the hype. The, there was a lot of hype for it, and but it was it was it was kind of late. It kept being delayed, and it was already too late, I suppose, when it did. It, and then it, it eventually it came out, and then literally six months later, it was dead and <laughs> gone. Uh, and it was it was I, I can't I can't remember the price now, but it was it was kind of a bit more expensive than it might have been, but probably worth it. But it was just too late because the, you know the the sixteen bit was on the horizon. Um, so I, I never had one because uh, I mean I didn't have any money. I was just a kid. I didn't have any money to to, to spend really. And uh, because they, I mean they weren't that expensive relatively. You know they they they, they were kind of cheap Android phone money really. Um, they they weren't you know they weren't impossible dreams to have these machines. You you know if you were an adult with a job you could probably buy all of them. You know. Um, but obviously now, you, when you start ca- start going back to catch up, they're they're a bit more difficult, especially if you want the boxes. You see, I, I like to have the boxes, but um, that makes it a lot more expensive. But I have I have a Spectrum in a box. I have a ZX eighty one in a box. Um, but you can get re- you can get new boxes because the boxes are always ragged. But you can actually get new ones. There's a company that makes them. Is that the same though for you? I mean, would you get the same kind of frill out of a a non-original? But even though it's the original packaging, as in terms of what's printed on the box, would it still well, get the same kick for you? Well, if you buy one, if you buy a machine, you know, like your Electron, then you know you should buy a a, a box and poly inserts for it, and then put it in the box, and then you know you've not lost anything, have you? The problem comes if you've got if you've got a machine with a crappy box, like a knackered box, but still a box. It's like you you take you take it out of the box and you put it in the new box. Then what do you do? <laughs> what do you do with the old box? Because it's like it is the original box. Now it might it might be crappy and rubbish and and scuffed up and ripped and all the rest of it. But do you really throw it away? <laughs> I mean, for me, it'd be impossible to throw it away. So you've still got <laughs> you've still yeah, got two boxes. Box. <laughs> you got two boxes. <laughs> it's a real problem, isn't it? It's like really then you should buy another computer to put in the old box. <laughs> then you've got 
two two of the same computer, and you an immaculate one and and another one in a scabby box. Let that be a warning know. to everyone. Basically, it, it, if you're going to be a retro collector, you need a very sympathetic partner. Yeah, it does become a, how many cables do you have? Let's chuck some cables away. Oh, let's buy another three or four cables to replace the cables you've chucked away. Let's have a box. Let's have a storage unit. Let's have a glass cabinet to put them on display. Let's have a desk to put them on so you can enjoy the Amita. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And it, yeah. it's tremendous fun, the amount of time you can just spend. It depends on your personality. I mean, I love buying something and researching about it and seeing what you can do with it. And that's as much fun as actually just using the thing. So the Amiga behind me, the A500, has actually got a Raspberry Pi in it. Really? Yeah. So you replace the CPU, the Motorola 68000. You take that out. You put in this board called the Pi Storm. And then the Raspberry Pi sits on top of that, and then that becomes the CPU. So then your CPU is stupid fast. Right. Stupid fast. But you're still using all the other Amiga chips. So all the custom chips on the Amiga are still used for the sound and the graphics. So it still feels very authentic. The only difference is everything's running faster in terms of what would use the CPU specifically. Which is great because that's just like faster loading times, faster transitions. And when you're particularly in a workbench and things, it's just nicer. Right. I'm amazed that works actually, but I can't even imagine how they got that to work. It, it's a, it's an amazing thing. Uh, I mean, the Amiga enthusiast groups, they are wonderfully insane. The, the Amiga fans what they've done with Amiga, I mean, not just recently, I'm talking over many years with expansion boards to improve performance like the vampires and stuff. I mean, I've only just literally within the last few months got into the Amiga world myself. My best friend of the time, the era when the Amiga was a thing, had the A600, which was like the smaller version of it, which was meant to be called the A300, but that's another story. Um. So that was my only access to an Amiga because I was the kid with the Acorn Archimedes. I was the right oddball. And then I had other friends who had the Atari ST. Thank you. (laughs) I still am. Um, And then there were other friends with the Atari ST. So I got to experience the Atari ST, but I never owned either one of those until recently. And I owned both. So it felt very odd not to have the Acorn again. It felt like I was giving up on what was my main computer of the time. So I had to get one somehow. Yeah, uh, I I should have an Atari ST, but I, I haven't got it because I, I definitely had one because it was my it was my Atari ST that we did um, the the Temptress on, but I don't know where it's gone. I haven't got it now. I'm sure it's not it's just awesome. lurking in a cupboard or a corner somewhere. No. no, it's gone. Don't know where it is. Which is a shame. So I'll have to buy another one of those at some point with the original box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But which one would you go for? Because there's like 15 bajillion Atari ST variations. Is there? Uh, I can't remember. I remember there was a 520, wasn't there? There's the original 520 with an external floppy drive. Then there's the 520 FM, which is the one I've got, which has got the built-in floppy drive and FM modulator. I don't care about the FM modulator. I use the RGB out. But still, it's got the built-in floppy disk drive. 
and then there's the 1040, which has just got basically more memory in it. And then that's got different variations and the STE, which is the enhanced version. Then there's the Falcon, which is like the all powerful, more rare, not much specifically for it, I don't think. No, I don't even remember that. Yeah. It was the I mean you say there was a gajillion versions, but it was actually a much simpler machine to deal with from a programming point of view because you just, uh, you know, the, the, they were all pretty much the same, I think. See, the problem with the Amiga now is you've got all this, you've got all the different chipset variations. Um, and we had a lot of problems doing doing the Revolution games because because of the chipsets being different. I mean, there's that there's a comment in the code, which is which I think I print, printed in the book of what, what we put in there for, for people to find saying and I was talking about how how we had so many problems with the different chipsets. Mm. I think I think now I think is it AGA? Is it called AGA? If you've got the, the A twelve hundred, it's I got AGA. It, yeah, I think if you're gonna write stuff. If you're gonna write a game for it now, I think you just go AGA. No, because that would discount mine then. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> well, I think that's what people do. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I need to look. I bought I bought Cyberpunk two from uh, Adrian um, recently. I had to look and see what it what it plays on. But yeah, I, I just remember. I just I can't remember the details. I I remember it being a real pain back in the Revolution days. The Amiga with its different chipsets because the memory was all different, and that was a real problem for us. That's what really it really uh, it really made life difficult. The, the different the memory layout. I think if I remember correctly. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm like yeah. I've been looking at the Amiga recently. I mean, I obviously don't know much about it, even though I've did know a lot about it in the past. Um, I, I need to get up to speed because I quite fancy doing something for it. I don't know what. Um, I mean, you can you can you can make an Amiga game and, and do okay off it these days. You know, you just about. So it's 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 almost a valid valid machine again, which is which is really good to see. I mean, of all of them, it probably is the only one that that's that's truly alive, you know. I mean, you can write a Spectrum game and you can write a Commodore 64 game. And you, I mean, I guess you'll sell a few, but I think Amiga is like really quite good, you know. That's I think it's Dreamcast. Yeah, I guess, I mean, the Amiga's kept relevant just by all the upgrades you can add to it, but there's no reason not to have the base model supported. Like if you released a game for the A500 that had no additional modifications... I'm sure well, it's still doing very well. And of course the emulation's really good as well. Yeah. Dreamcast is a harder me. sell for emulation, so you'd have to have the real hardware really. Yeah, but they're ten a penny, aren't they? They are indeed at the moment. I've got until people realise what you can do with the Dreamcast and how amazing that little console is. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. suddenly it's not cheap anymore. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of them about there, that's the thing. I mean they made a lot of Dreamcasts. So I think I think I mean now is the time to buy one, but they're 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 not they're not too bad I think. Um, but Amiga, yeah, I mean you can buy you can buy a whole new Amiga. That's the thing, isn't it? You you can buy um you can buy a little box. I was looking on a website. There's some, someone selling a little box, and it's, it is an Amiga in, in a little in a little thing. It'll it'll do Amiga stuff. Oh, the little That's mini what, one. I've got a mini one. Yeah, I got one of those. Yeah. In the that, original box. <laughs> Yeah, definitely in its box. Yeah, <laughs> it should be. I've only had it six months, but um, uh, yeah, they're, they're they're quite nice. But I quite like the, I quite like the idea of a little one in a tiny little case. Look quite cool. So, I have the Atari Five Twenty STFM, 
and that's when you've not maybe that specific one, but certainly, if, like you say, if you've got an ST, they're virtually all the same except for the different memory configurations. And if it's the golf internal, external floppy disk drive, and the thing an Amiga yeah. fan will always not the Atari ST for seemingly it will be its sound. And to be fair, the sound on the Atari ST is not that good considering. I mean, yeah, it's not as a good as bit, the Amiga. No, not by any shot. I mean, it's mostly bips and boops where the Amiga can actually do proper sample, mod music and all sorts. But, yeah. but yeah, the Commodore 64 had, I think the SID chip was a little bit more powerful than what the ST does, which is a shame. But it is a, it's a lovely computer. The keyboard I like as well. And I had again, I, when I got this one, I had to clean it up a lot and the floppy disk drive wasn't working. But uh, it just needed a belt replacing, and now it's working again. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I liked it because it was it was it was a chip and some memory, and and you know that was it. Uh, that was my philosophy of what what a machine should have. I, I didn't like the Amiga so much because you had to learn how to program the the video chip. But of course, the the beauty of the video chip was it would actually ultimately do a lot of things that you couldn't do with just the CPU. So, indeed. Um, but yeah, lovely sixty-eight thousand processor. That was a joy to program. So when you're going between all these different versions back then, obviously there was going from PC to Atari to Amiga. There was probably the fact that those, uh, unlike the PC, you probably had less colours to deal with. So Steve, in the last podcast, Steve Vince was saying you were going from the the PC version of you know a couple of hundred colors down to the Amiga, which was about thirty two, which you know is still fairly respectable. But you're making a another big drop down, and then you've got all those other considerations. But in terms of actual code, I mean, would it still be like assembly language, and you trying to get that to work with the different machines, or would it be something else? Uh, well, I mean. Uh... When we did, when we when we did Lure, which is the first one at Revolution, I mean, I I think I led on Atari, Atari ST, so I was I was effectively writing the engine, as in inventing it. So I, I was working on a, I was writing sixty eight thousand assembly code, on a on a on a PC, um, squirting it down a, a wire into an Atari ST, uh, and it was pretty it was a pretty good way to work. Um, the Amiga, the Amiga, we, we, we found someone who knew the Amiga bits and we, and we, and we got this guy, Charles Lawrence, he was called, and he, he helped us write the Amiga bits. So he did the, he did the, the, the sound chip and the video chip stuff for the, for the Amiga versions of the games. Then the PC, the PC code was written like, uh, Dave Sykes, the other the other founder of Revolution, he would he would take my code, which is sixty eight thousand, and literally rewrite it in eighty eighty code, and that's how we did the, the Temptress, and then we did the same thing again for Beneath the Steel Sky, but by that point we dropped the Atari ST because it was effectively gone. Um, but the Amiga was still alive. Just uh, we so we did Amiga Steel Sky exactly the same way, me leading on. 68,000 code, Dave porting it across to 8080, um, which was horrible, ugly, nasty, dreadful alien chip, really, really very unpleasant compared to the beauty of the 68,000. Um, and then, of course, after after, after Beneath Steel Sky, when we when we moved on to 
um, Broken Sword, they said to us, no Amiga. And, they, and then they said, no assembly code, lads, you need to do C this time, given all the trouble it gave you on um, the last two games. <laughs> so, yeah, then it was C, and, and uh, that was the end of assembly language. So why was Amiga discounted at that point? Was that just because there wasn't much of a market for it or just complexity? Or... I think it was gone. I think it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it, it shifted over to the PC. Well, PC and, you know, the the thing is the, 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 the as we talk about a lot, the PlayStation 1 was on the horizon mm-hmm. at that point and that, that torpedoed everything. Well, you know, it, all, all of the, all of the, even, you know, the, the Amigas, it, PlayStation 1 did for Amiga what it, what it did for, Adventures and PCs for a while, you know, it was just like a huge explosion. It, it wiped out everything. It was like a nuke. It nuked the whole scene. And ironically, now um, has just been announced Broken Sword 6. Yeah, ironically, all I can think about is this Broken Sword 1. I don't, is it a, a remaster? It's not a director's cut because we've kind of had that, but it's more of a remaster of the original, from what I understand. So it's not the a remaster of the director's cut; it's a remaster of the original. It's it's a reforging. It's a reforging. What it's, does that mean? <laughs> what it is, uh, it, it is basically take take the old take the old game, the PC version of the old game. Um, you know, rework the engine. To, you know, so it's got the core. The core of the old engine is still there, and it's been reworked to be. You know, a modern to, to work like a modern engine, really. Um, but it's, the, it's 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 really the original the original game's engine, um, which the director's cut wasn't, because the director's cut came from the GBA game via the DS, so it was a completely different code base. The reforged is the original engine, you know, beefed up and brought brought into the modern world of screens, bigger screens, and you know, whatever. Um, Windows and all, all Mac and all that stuff, and then the, and then the whole thing is being being redrawn, um, and, and you know their 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 messaging on this got a bit messed up with all that AI stuff they were talking about. But yeah, AI is a bit all, of a loaded term at the minute, isn't it? No matter what it's actually used for. Well, yeah, yeah, I I don't think they handled it very well, really, because because they gave they gave an impression that it was it was heavily sort of. You know, you say you say AI in, in this day and age, and people go, "Whoa!" You know, degenerative, all that stuff. Yeah, it, it's fake. It's AI's yeah. fake. Yeah, I mean, it means a lot of different things, and some, not all of it good. Um, but in truth, there, I mean, there's they've got this learning learning model, and it, and all it's doing is is looking at George Sprites, and and it's it's trying to enlarge them better than Gigapixel could. And it's de- it's debatable to me, at least from what I've seen, whether it actually does that any better than Gigapixel. But you know that that's that's all they're doing. They're, they're upscaling, and then and then real artists are redrawing it. So, I mean, there's a huge team of artists basically working on it to to redraw it, and because there's, there's no other way to do it. That you know, there's 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 sprites were tiny, absolutely tiny, tiny little things, and the and the detail wasn't in them. You know, if you if you, you know you can see a picture of George, like doing an animation picking something up or something and you know his hands don't exist on that original sprite it's too small i mean you think they're there but it's and they're beautifully animated um by by steve odes most of them uh, in pixels and so you get this great fluidity and, and the feeling of weight and all these things that he added to the animations but the, the detail was never there you know it, it, so 
to, to get an AI model that can can invent those things from nothing is is asking too much, really. I mean, yeah. you, you can kind of get the outline good, but you can't. You know, it's not magic. It can't. It can't draw George's hands if the if George's hands weren't there in the first place, and then they weren't most of the time. So, you know, it's 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 been a from what I can see, from what I understand, it's 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 hard slog of redrawing it you know but you know you've seen you've seen the screenshots i mean it looks it looks terrific it really does and it 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 will be yeah it will be really great it's kind of as i would be playing it back in the day how my mind would have reconstructed it as Hmm. in yes you couldn't identify each finger of his hand but in your head you filled in the blanks so yeah you were happy with that that was the best technology at the time but now when you play it now, hopefully, and again, from the videos and screenshots I've seen, it looks authentic. It doesn't look like they've tried mm. to reinvent the wheel and change the yeah. character design. They've been authentic. And yes, they've used AI. They've got it so far. And then they've got actual artists to put in all the finer details, which you definitely need because AI are terrible with fingers at the best times anyway. It's effectively redrawn by hand. Mm. At the end of the day, it's, re- it's redrawn by hand. Um, I mean, we had some, we had a full discussion and an experiment, didn't we? Because uh, you tried this with AI. That what would broken sword look like outside the cafe if you, you know, got a seven twenty p image, and it looked pretty good. You could tell there were some mm. rough edges here and there, but in terms of adding a little bit more color information, particularly for anything where there was like a gradient. And just having a little bit more resolution, you could say, "Oh, hey, yeah, this could actually work." Well, I think that stuff that I did with Gigapixel like two years ago was was actually what kicked the whole thing off from where it where it came from. Now, uh, you know, Charles will will, will not will, will not 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 agree if so there's one for the too. panel. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's one for the panel. Um, I, I'm saying it was you know I, I thought of it first and, and tried to get Charles interested in it, and then there was and he said, "No, no." And then there was a bit of a gap, and then suddenly they're doing it. You know, so I think it's—I take the credit for it. You know, if it's really great, then I'll take—I'll take the credit for it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's really great, really great. Brent sort of fans will be delighted. Yeah, it'll work on—it'll work on all the consoles and all these things. You know, that 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 it, it's been a challenge. I mean, you could put the original game onto a console, and it would kind of look all right on on a big telly, but not as good as it's going to look. Um, with this new one yeah i mean uh i think there's an ipad version am i maybe i've got that wrong of the but, reforged yeah there will be all versions i'm sure oh good because be, i would be... get the ipad version because just like the touching yeah. on the display it feels natural no, they'll, for they'll, a point and click they'll, they'll do they'll do ios and and pc and playstation and xbox i'm sure that will be awesome on my ipad pro i will love playing that and yeah there's broken sword six um i'm sure it'll be okay but i'm more excited about one and i hope one does well in this reforged stakes and hopefully they'll do the same treatment with two i think they will i hope so i hope so and does raise the question though if they do the first two obviously then it goes into the 3d world of broken sword three and four what could you do with three and four? That's a, that's a big uh, head scratcher to consider that one. You can't use AI for that one necessarily. Well, maybe you could because you've got those poly models. Um, 
but yeah, it'd be too big. It'd be too big a job because you'd have to pull everything out of it, and then the original engine, which was Blender for Brunsor Three, um, no, Brender, B Render, yeah, B Render. I think it was. Was it? Was it? I oh, know it was Renderware. Renderware. That was it. Brunsor Three uses Renderware, I and mean, obviously that doesn't exist anymore. So you'd have. To, you know, what would you do with the engine? You know, what would you do with the graphics? You'd have to start again. And if you're starting again, why not do Brunsfield 7, you know? Yeah, indeed. So I, I don't think there'll be anything new on those on those games. I think they're probably best kept as they are. Well, thankfully, they did also come out on consoles. So as long as you've got the original console, you can still play these games. Yeah. It's not, in they're, terms of preservation... Not- they're not dead, are they? You know? No, certainly not. Uh, but I mean, Brighton Sword One certainly wasn't dead. I mean, that's been re-released on various platforms. There was the director's cut, um, but yeah, the three four looks really interesting. I'm very excited to see what it looks like when it comes out. So, uh, full steam yeah. ahead for everyone involved with that because it looks great. Yeah, yeah. But I guess we still hit the problem of the speech. Is still limited by the quality that was on the CD, as in those original, whether it was DAT tapes, have never been found, and that's probably been lost forever. Have they tried uh, AI on the sound? There is a thought. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't know anything about it, but uh, I imagine they will. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot you can do with sound. I think to smooth it out. I'm sure. It's just a case of pushing it to the right people and have it put through a process to to radically improve it. I, I would have thought it could be done more easily than graphics i would have thought i mean that was one of the nice things about the director's cut version was they actually had the original music again in cd quality but that was because the original composer had kept the cds thankfully that tapes are harder to find trust me i've had conversations with various people for other titles i did the original DAT tapes still exist? I don't know. I gave them to this person and I've not heard from them. And, <laughs> and then they've yeah. gone missing. And and even if yeah. you had the original DAT tapes, the amount of work, because you wouldn't just get the dialogue that's in the game, you'd get all the outtakes and all the variations. So you'd have to piece it all together. So a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we ever had the originals. I don't think we had what what it was recorded from. I think it was sent to us from the publisher and uh, it was chopped up and 14.4, whatever it was. And I don't think um, we ever had anything beyond that. So, you know, the, the, the files that we have are the ones in the game. I say we, Revolution. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, but they will, they will, I'm sure they can push them through some AI and have it upscaled reasonably good. There's nothing else for it, is there? Not really. Well, I'm glad if it's true that you spurred this momentum forward for Broken Sword Reforged Tony Warner edition. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the credit. <laughs> I'll take the commission even, as well. <laughs> even even be, no, I don't think there'll be any commission. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm so I'm so confident it's gonna be great that I'll 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 pre take the credit for it. Okay, that's good. I'll remind you of that when it comes out. Let's do that. Well, I'm, confident. I'm quietly confident it's going to be good. It looks great. So well done. And I'll look forward to seeing you and Charles Cecil on the panel in about a month's time. Uh, otherwise, uh, this is the end of Game & Gadget podcast. So thank you for joining me, Tony. And we'll see you again 
next time, folks. Take care.